But I want you to take your Bible and look in the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation in chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6. You know, there's a, there's a lot of teaching that goes off on the radio. And just understand, just because you know Hebrew and Greek is not a key for understanding some of the simplest things in God's Word. The gospel of Jesus Christ is so mutilated by so many people. But here in the book of Revelation, in uh, chapter 6, there's the opening up of the seals in the tribulation period, which I believe is the beginning of the tribulation period. The rapture has taken place, and we're in heaven with the Lord. But now, during the tribulation period, a lot of things that happened, a lot of people were killed. And as you'll notice down there in verse 8 where he says, And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that set on him was death, and hail followed with him. Power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. Now, a lot of these that are going to be killed is going to be because they refuse to bow to the last world government. And so they're going to have a thing where you can't buy nor sell unless you have the mark of this last world government. So there's going to be a multitude of people killed. Now look there in verse 9. In verse 9 tells us a little bit about some people that were killed during the tribulation period as the Antichrist takes over. And he says in verse 9, And when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. So you see, there are those who know the Lord and they were slain during the tribulation period. And this multitude that's up there they keep crying out, as it says in verse 10, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood upon them that dwell upon the earth? So the rapture has taken place. I don't believe that in verse 9 and 10, this is the church crying out. I believe this is those who have died because of the Antichrist, the persecution that's going on on the earth. And so... When you read this, and he says, there's other ones just like you are going to be killed. So he says in verse 11, And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet a little season, until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. So this is those who were killed during the tribulation period. And it says there's more that's going to be killed. But if this scene takes place in heaven, then you know there must be an awful lot of people who trust the Lord after the rapture. Now, there's a lot of teaching, and a lot deals with if the rapture takes place today, they say, well, those people that had their chance and didn't take advantage of it, well, after the rapture, they can't be saved because they refuse to believe the truth. Therefore, they can't be saved. But somehow during the tribulation period, if all of these people do get saved, then it must be those who have never heard the gospel. And if that's true, then the best thing we could do today is make sure that nobody hears the gospel because they got a better chance in the tribulation period when the 144,000 Jews come. That way they could just wait till the rapture takes place, and then they could just wait till they hear the 144,000, and then believe it, and then they all get saved. Well, I think about these things, and I wondered whether or not if I witness to a person and the rapture takes place, I'm gone. So some say, well, see, that person can't get saved now because he's already heard the gospel and he didn't trust the Lord, so he, his chance is gone. 
So the, those who get saved during the tribulation period has to be all of those who've never had a chance. Well, it's almost like destroying the will to preach the gospel to every person throughout the whole earth. I don't believe that that's the case. Now look here in Revelation in chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7, there's a ceiling of 144,000, I believe, Jewish evangelists. But in verse 9, it says, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne, and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and about the elders, and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces, and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessed and wisdom, and glory and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor and power, and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, what are these which are arrayed in white robes? Now the elders, we believe, represent the church, which is in chapter 4. And if they represent the church, then why wouldn't he know where these came from? They should have been part of the church or the body of Christ. So these must be a different group of people. And therefore I believe it's those who are in the tribulation period. So he makes this statement in verse 13. And one of the elders answered, said unto me, what are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. He said unto me, Out of the great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So the church, I do not believe, goes into the tribulation period. And we believe that the tribulation period is divided into two sections. One, the peace and safety, then sudden destruction. And that the great tribulation refers mainly to the last half of the tribulation period. Because in Matthew chapter 24 it says, And when you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the prophet sent in the holy place. Well, that's in the middle of the tribulation period. Then it shall be great tribulation. So the first part of it is a time of sorrows, this whole thing. But this is the leading up to it. So the Antichrist is going to take power, and then once he gets power, great persecution upon those that are on the earth. And so these are they which came out of the great tribulation period. And they are saved because this is in heaven. So then multitudes of people can be saved after the rapture during this period of time. Now, if you take your Bible and turn there to Matthew chapter 25, the book of Matthew and chapter 25, when Christ comes back in power and great glory to the earth, He comes back, there's the battle of Armageddon. And the Lord says in verse 31, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory. So we know this is not talking about at the rapture. The rapture takes place seven years before this. This takes place after the tribulation. And all the holy angels with Him then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goat. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, the goats on his left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, 
Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So this is coming through the tribulation period. There are those that will be sheep, and there will be those that will be goats. Now when you talk about the nation of Israel, this is for the Gentiles. The Bible says in Romans chapter 11 that Israel will be saved as in a day. In other words, when they see the Son of Man coming in power and great glory. And it says in Zechariah chapter 13, when they see the scars in his hands, it says, where did you get these scars? And he says, in the house of my friends. And now that's when he came the first time. But he was rejected, crucified. Now he's coming back again. That Israel will believe and Jesus is the Messiah, the King of Israel, and they believe on him, they trust him. So there's a remnant of Israel that will be the seed by which God builds his kingdom. But what about all those Gentiles? So at the beginning of the kingdom, the only ones who go into the kingdom will be those that are believers, that know the Lord. Because he separates the sheep from the goats. The sheep are those that believe they get to go into the kingdom. The goats, they don't get to go in. And so he says up here in verse 41, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye curse into everlasting fire. Prepare for the devil and his angels. So while they are alive, and this is at a judgment, they are cast here, as it says here, into everlasting fire. This takes place at the end of the tribulation period. This must be those who did not believe the truth and were not saved. Now go there to the book of Second Thessalonians, the book of Second Thessalonians and chapter 2. Second Thessalonians in chapter 2. You'll notice in 2 Thessalonians in chapter 2, Christ is going to come back in power and great glory. But his coming to the earth is going to be after the working of Satan. See there in verse 9? Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. So many people take these verses and apply them to right after the rapture. And so this is talking about those who didn't get caught up in the rapture. And so these people now are all going to believe the lie and can't be saved. Well, I don't believe that's what it's referring to. I believe there's a sequence here. And you'll notice that this is toward the end of the tribulation period. And so therefore, this is those during the tribulation period who would not believe the truth. And the reason is because they were deceived is because they believed the lie. And it says, God shall send them strong delusions that they would believe a lie because they believed not the truth that they could be saved. So in other words, they could have been saved but they were not saved because they did not believe the truth. Now, I want you to see this because it's so important to understand this. Look there in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, look in verse 8. Well, verse 7 says that when he is revealed from heaven, when he's talking about being revealed or glory, it's generally you can mark it down as talking about when he comes at the end of the tribulation period and that's when he comes back to the earth to rule and to reign. And every eye will see him. 
comes in power and great glory. When the rapture takes place, He only comes in the air, and we're changed in a moment, the twinkling of an eye, and caught up to meet the Lord, and we're out of here. It just happens that quick, and it's all over. So, But that's the rapture. The revelation of Christ when He comes back to the earth, and it says, and they shall see Him coming in power and great glory. They're going to see Him coming. And He's going to come all the way, and it says, and His feet shall touch upon the Mount of Olives, which is on the east of Jerusalem, outside the city gates, the temple area. And I've been on that mountain, and I've stood on the temple mount, and I have lined all this stuff up, and oh, it's exciting. It really is. So anyway, it says in verse 8, In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obeyed not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. This judgment right here is taking place when? At the rapture? No. This is taking place when he comes the second time. He takes this judgment upon those who do not know the Lord. Now, remember the seven-year tribulation period. Look up here. The rapture takes place. All the believers are gone. Some say, well, now, these people can't be saved because they didn't go up in the rapture and they rejected the truth, can't believe it. Now, No, it's not talking about them. There will be multitudes of people after the rapture that will trust the Lord. And we read about that in chapter 6 of the book of Revelation. In chapter 7, multitudes of every tongue and nation and so forth. And where did they come from? These came out of the tribulation period. So there must be people, a lot of people, trusting Christ as their Savior during the tribulation period. It says multitudes will be saved after the rapture. And some of them were already in heaven because they had been killed. Others were yet going to be killed. And so the Antichrist comes in the middle of the tribulation period, and then he is revealed. And so when he is revealed, and he is showing his power and signs and lying wonders and his deceivableness, so that the people who would not believe the truth in the first three and a half years of the preaching of the 144,000, they themselves choose not to believe the truth, but to believe the lie. So when Christ comes back, he's going to take vengeance upon those who did not believe the gospel. You see, to me, there's a sequence, and it makes sense this way. But if you change all of that and put it over here, then you're saying that these people that we're witnessing to today and don't trust the Lord, well, they can't be saved now. No, I don't believe that. I believe you can be saved. Now, look at this. In verse 9, he says, Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power? That means the glory of His power. So he's going to set up His kingdom in power and great glory. He comes in glory. He's going to set up His kingdom. These people will not be able to enter into the kingdom because they chose not to believe the truth. And at that moment, if you're not saved, you're cast into hell and to be everlastingly separated from the presence of God. Now, in verse 10, when he shall then come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Wherefore also we pray always for you and so on. So this is what's going to be happening. 
Now look there in chapter 2 again. Now look up there in verse 3. But let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, the day of the Lord, this tribulation period when Christ comes back in power and great glory, that day cannot come until, first of all, there is the catching away, the departure, and then the man of sin will be revealed. So he says in verse 3, except there come a fallen away. We believe that's a reference to the catching away when God takes us out of here. And then it says, the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now, I know that we love to try to figure out who he is. And so down through the centuries, people have come up with various individuals that they know that's the Antichrist. And so far, they've all been wrong. And today, in our time, we know that if the rapture is close, we know that the Antichrist might be alive today. And if he is alive today, who is he? And so, a lot of people think it could be Obama. I had other ones tell me that it was Kissinger. I've had everybody, you know, come up with different individuals of who they know it is. Well, it says he will be revealed in his time. And this may not be his time to be revealed. There are, of course, a lot of things that are going to be heading up toward this. But look what he says here in verse 4. Who opposes and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, he doesn't do that in the first half. That's in the middle of the tribulation period. That's why Matthew 24, when he says, when ye shall see the abomination of desolation stand in the holy place. That's in the middle of the tribulation period. In the midst of the week. As it says in the book of Daniel chapter 9. In the midst of the week. So he says here in verse 5. Remember ye not that when I was with you, I told you these things? Now he had been with them for about three weeks. And look how much deep theology he taught them in just three weeks to new believers. Incredible. So he says in verse 6. He said, and now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed. And you ought to underline these three little words, in his time. So this is during the tribulation period. Now during the tribulation period, if you happen to still be here, you probably will have a very good idea who it might be. Until then, we just do a lot of guessing. And we might luck out and hit it right. Or there may be somebody that will be the forerunner and he'll say and do everything just like the Antichrist will do. But we don't have definite scripture that says how I can recognize him. I mean, does he have a mole on his chin and he has red hair? Is it parted? You know how you get it? No. Now look what he says here in verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. So we know that the mystery of godliness was God in the flesh, and that's true. Christ came and caught up and so forth and did his word. But Satan is going to have his man. And whether or not he just has somebody that just yields himself to the devil and so forth, and God, uh, the devil is able to use somebody to do exactly what he wants, I, I'm not going to try to figure it all out. I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be in heaven. But there's a man coming on the scene that's going to be the head of a last one world government. And he will be the devil's man in any way you want to put it. And he is going to be able to do all kinds of miraculous things. 
and he will be able to deceive the world. Now, you know, and I know that's going to be a hard thing for him to do because hardly nobody's deceived today. You know, when people say something, they speak the truth and you know that they really mean it. Well, anyway, I think the world has been conditioned to believe a lie. And then he says here in verse 7, Only he who now hindereth will hinder until he be taken out of the way. And we believe that the Holy Spirit, from Pentecost to the rapture, Holy Spirit came, all believers are indwelled, Holy Spirit takes us out. That doesn't mean necessarily that the Holy Spirit can't save people like he did before that. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So there's a multitude of people that are still going to be saved in the tribulation period. And to be saved, it has to be a spiritual birth. So there has to be a Holy Spirit. But anyway, look what he says. In verse 8, And then shall that wicked be revealed. When he's taken out of the way, then shall the wicked be revealed. So if this is when the church is taken out of here, then the wicked be revealed. So we may be a little, you know, prejudging, trying to figure it out ahead of time. But that does not stop me from trying to figure out who it is. I still have an inquiring mind and I want to know. And I have some ideas, but they're just Yankeeology. But he says here, And then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So this is when Christ comes back. It's after the Antichrist has been revealed and does his thing in the tribulation period. So now Christ is coming back, power and great glory. And he's coming back after his working. So in verse 10, then it says, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because, now here's the reason, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. So they could have been saved if they would have believed the truth, but they did not believe the truth. It is these people at this time when Christ comes back, and if they have not trusted Christ as their Savior, haven't believed, then they will be lost and they will be judged and they will be cast into the lake of fire. For this cause, he says, God shall send them strong delusions that they should believe a lie. Okay, how did God send them a strong delusion? With the Antichrist, which is a liar, and deceive, and all the signs and miracles, to deceive the people that would not believe the truth. But I do believe that God had His people preaching the truth. It's just like today. Isn't it a miracle that anybody ever gets saved? When you consider how few times somebody's ever witnessed to you. But just think about what are the odds of you ever hearing the gospel. If majority of preachers don't preach the gospel, most churches are not clear on the gospel, and yet you can't be saved unless you understand the gospel. And so many of God's people don't share the gospel. Most of God's people don't live like they should. They don't carry tracts. They don't witness. Did you realize a miracle of just a handful of people that do it? And how few people there are that really understands? Just think of the odds of you ever hearing the gospel and then having enough common sense to believe the gospel. That gets me all excited. 
Look what he says here. In the last part of verse 10 where he says, Because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. But these people are the people that are in the tribulation period, not the church age people. You see, the church has already been gone. This is at the end of this period of time. And God did come and send, and even an angel was preaching the everlasting gospel. In case somebody else got missed. Where's that found? Anybody know where that's found? You ought to see that verse right quick. Revelation. Look there in verse 6 of chapter 14. Verse 6 of chapter 14. Revelation. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. And they chose to believe a lie instead of the truth. Now that verse to me is a very potent verse, a very powerful verse. So that when Christ comes back, not a person should be able to say, I don't know what he's talking about. I never heard it. Yet he did. And in verse 12 here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. They believed not the truth. It wasn't that they could not believe, is they chose not to believe. And another good point I like to make is, if they can't believe until God gives them the faith to believe, then the one that is at fault is God. He didn't give them the faith to believe, so why blame them? Why should they have to go to the lake of fire because they didn't believe, but then they couldn't believe because God didn't give them the faith to believe? That's all a bunch of junk. Their message is not in accordance to this book. It is a wicked, wicked teaching of what they're doing and propagating. And yet you'll be surprised there's people all over the world that will send them money so they can stay on the air and keep preaching that gospel of theirs. And then a guy that is clear has to hope he can make it from one week to the next trying to pay the radio bills. Because Christians just take it for granted. A lot of people, they don't sacrifice and give and so forth. I'm just thankful for those that do. So far, we've been on for four years since I've been here. So y'all just keep praying, and we'll do what we can in the time that God's given to us. And I believe it's important. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we do thank you so much for your word that you've given us. We pray that our minds are clear and that we can express things the way we should. And thank you, Lord, for those who do believe in soul winning, persuading people, talking to them, trying to explain just how much you really love them by making a payment for all their sins and to give them eternal life as a free gift, simply by trusting Jesus Christ alone as the one who died for them and came back from the dead. In Christ's name, amen.